Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. I'm your host, Bill Sickens. Jeremy and Gretchen, welcome to the show. Hello. Hello there. So we're going to be doing a little bit of a throwback to some things we used to do in the past that's been asked for this week and just have a candid conversation going over some topics of tech and that type of thing. Bill Snodgrass is going to be joining us in the next segment. We're going to be talking about a variety of different things, gaming computers, Windows 11, uh, and other stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So going to be an interesting show for you this week. We're also going to be looking at our upcoming events in the end. And on all of that, and with no further ado, let's go to the news. So what is in the news? Jury finds in favor of Depp and libel suit. Yeah, from the pop culture front, this has been an interesting thing. For anybody that hasn't really been following this, there's been a lawsuit between uh, Johnny Depp and his wife, uh, each claiming uh, things going the other way. The court found in his favor, um, I believe the amount awarded to him was $15 million, and then Mm -hmm. they also found in her favor um, for a liable complaint on the attorney for $2 million. So I know he was hoping that this would uh, put him back kind of in the limelight and uh, restore his reputation a little bit. However, it seems to have just put a bad divorce in the limelight, such as it is. He so, lost two major parts from all yeah. of this. Yeah, it, yeah, it's been a big deal. And uh, I know there's a lot more going on here than probably what's even being reported. But it's one of those things that's just, you know, it is what it is, I suppose. Hmm. Portland, Oregon lost $1.4 million in a cybersecurity breach. Yeah, and boy, is it hard to try to find out about this. But what I've been able to find out is that apparently this was done through some sort of a spam or phishing email. Nice. They got in, some information got out, a bill was sent or something, and it was paid for this amount. And so they're saying that they're going to button down their cybersecurity and Make sure that this never happens again, whatever that may mean. So is this the city of Portland? The city of Portland, Oregon, yeah. And um, the the details from this, or the minimum that we have, is they call it a fraudulent financial transaction. Uh, occurred in May, and then there was another attempt made on May 17th, <laughs> which I think is when they, found, they stopped that and found out about the first one. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, it's... Uh, Basically, that's all that they've said. There's a statement from the city at the city of Portland. We have invested in technology and established policies to minimize that threat. Uh, unfortunately, it seems like they might need more policies. Hmm. Hmm. Do you want a Tesla phone? After finding out a little bit about this, yeah. Really? Um, Why? I, Tell well, me. Well, <laughs> and I, I cannot confirm or deny if I've been able to see a prototype. But what I can talk about is that this sounds very interesting. Now, let's start out at the top of this. There has been a rumor, should start there, of the idea of a Tesla phone for a while now. It's been talked about, but it seems like it's becoming, uh, you know, something that's more uh, solid. They're talking about a December release date of this year. Uh, We'll see if that actually happens. One thing about Tesla is it does seem like release dates and the actual dates things come available can vary. Uh, Although usually when they come available, they're interesting technology. Now, what's kind of cool about this is that it goes beyond what you would consider on an actual smartphone. So, you know, Tesla and a lot of their things has uh, what's sometimes referred to as over-the-top features on their existing uh, topics, 
products and other things. A Cybertruck has a impenetrable exoskeleton and bioweapon defense mode. <laughs> um, you, you know, so um, I, I, that's not something that I found at Nissan. Uh, so, no. uh, really? You know, so taking this a step further. All right. Some of what they have is it'll have Starlink built in. So your internet will work that way. You don't need anything else. Uh, obviously does 5G as well. Solar charging. So Tesla product like that is going to have that would, uh, you know, be expected. Vehicle control. So if you have a Tesla vehicle, you can control it from your own, uh, from your phone rather. And now some of the other things that are interesting that are going to be built into this, or at least that they're talking about is astrophotography. And uh, what this is, is it uses an AI when photographing the night sky and with SpaceX's technology working into this and them working together, it's really going to enhance, let's just say what you can take pictures of in the sky. Cool. Sounds neat. So uh, it has a crypto mining mode, so the phone will mine cryptocurrency <laughs> if you're into that. Okay. <laughs> Look, my no. phone is rich. Yes, yes. Oh, now it's poor. You know, I, yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and we'll see where this actually goes. Now, one of the other features that uh, I could see where I might like is uh, some support for uh, Neuralink. Hmm. And uh, so anybody that's not familiar with this, Neuralink is a technology that Elon Musk is working on to allow for implants, basically makes you a cyborg, and then would allow you to directly interface with your phone. And when we talked about this before, you know, we've gotten a lot of different uh, responses to that. And I can honestly say, I don't think I'd have a problem with this. So um, as long as I knew what it did and what it was about, it could be really cool. But having that built into your cell phone from the bottom up is, you know, kind of interesting. So. the phone's called the Tesla Pi, P-I, hmm. and uh, again, a release date that they're suggesting at the end of the year. Now, it's all over the map on what this might cost, and with Tesla, you never know. <laughs> they're talking anywhere from $1,200 to $3,000. Now, the high end of that would make it the most expensive smartphone on the market, but depending huh. on what it can and can't do, you know, maybe it's worth it, maybe it's not. So. Anyway, we'll have to see where this ends up. Um, we'll go ahead and post a picture of the prototype, or at least what's alleged to be the prototype on our social media, so you can check it out. Cool. How about a smartphone on your eye? Yeah, so we take this a step further. You know, why do we even need the phone? Now, we've had augmented reality glasses and uh, like Google Glass and all that kind of stuff to limit success. There's some newer technologies out there that work a lot better. But this is the idea of having the entire capability of your smartphone built into a contact lens. Oh, my goodness. And, so that, uh, that would be your, your virtual um, screen would be projected in front of you? Yeah, basically. Basically. Sounds like fun. And, uh, you know, so it, it, they say it's uh, custom fit for your eyes, so it's extremely comfortable to wear. It doesn't rotate or slip. Huh. And the proof of concept that they apparently have working now is uh, green. Uh, screens like monochrome, uh, but they are talking about a full color version. So are they hard to clean or are they easy to care for? I don't know. And and these kind of details aren't out there quite yet. Hmm. Because Uh, as a contact lens user, you know, that would be important to me. Yeah. Well, and I think that would be important to just keeping the device working, you know? Yeah. So um, anyway, Mojo Vision is the company that's putting this out. And um, Mojo Lens is the name of the product. And if this is something that actually works and works well, that could be very interesting. 
AI-engineered enzyme eats entire plastic containers. So they let the AIs get together and try to come up with something to deal with plastic. And they've come up with a plastic degrading enzyme that uh, by design, it was designed by AIs, and what it can do is absorb and um, break down uh, plastic. I'm trying to think what the best way is to describe this a lot faster than anything else. It takes about an hour as opposed to several hours, and then the temperatures that it can run at is different and all kinds of other things. Hmm. So uh, within 48 hours, you can have a plastic container that is completely broken down. And we have a lot of problems with plastics. They're everywhere, the waste from this. and They're in, most, it's in the ocean. It's in the ocean. It's it, And most of the plastics that have been manufactured since they started making plastics still exist. So unless they were burned or recycled properly, which maybe is 10%, um, the rest of this is still out there in dumps in the ocean and other places. So dealing with this, if this actually works and it looks like it does, could really, really help with that. Cool. Hmm. France bans English gaming tech jargon in push to preserve language purity. Okay, first now, of all, this is not a new thing for the French. No. Okay? Yeah, I was going to say, you're our language person, so I was going to ask you to comment on that. And I know they're uh, uh, having trouble. And French, like you say, has been like that. They don't want to bring in words from other languages, so they essentially just make up one, I guess? Yeah, and they get – all right. If I understood, and it hasn't changed, if, that they would have like a committee that would decide on what words would be added to the language. This is the reason why French is not used as the language of science. Right. Because English is extremely flexible. Um, that's why English is the, is the language of science and technology. So some of the words that they're having problems with are things like eSports and cloud gaming. Well, hey. on that note, this is User-Friendly 2.0. We're going to take a break and we'll be back. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. I'm coming back at you with a little bit of a whine, but I think it's less than it was a week ago. And that's dealing with computers and when they don't work, specifically gaming computers. On with us now, in addition to Jeremy and Gretchen, Bill Snodgrass. Bill, welcome to the show. Hello. So you are kind of our resident expert on this. And I know that you've worked with Alienware and other high-end gaming computers in the past and have had different things. So let's start there. What do you use now and do you like it? I built one myself. Um, <laughs> my old Alienware that I had for a little over a decade uh, finally just flat stopped working on me uh, middle of COVID. So that was a fun experience trying to scrounge parts together there in the early parts 2020. Um, I use an MSI motherboard. Um, I was able to get a 2080 ATI special edition uh, video card. I run liquid cooling. I got uh, 32 gigs of RAM. Um, probably should have bought a different case, but this one was uh, one of the nicer ones, but it's got its problems, uh, which is the thermal take. Um, solid state drives, all that. That's the usual. Um, 
as far as my experience with gaming computers, though, this one, you know, is solid. You know, I can run Cyberpunk in that it's full capacity. That's what it was built to be able to do is to last me for another, you know, five to ten years. Um, right. Building it together, building it wise was probably only about three thousand five hundred. Okay. So about thirty five hundred, and that you know that's w- within the the price set. Now I know, you know, I've done the same thing. I've used Dell and, and decided to go with an Alienware uh, desktop. I've used them for the laptops for a while, and I've had good luck. And the desktop I got was an R eleven, and it has been a bit of a bummer. Um, <laughs> I I don't know how else to put it. It's not what you would have expected, but it got up and running, and about uh, four months ago. Now, I think it was, I decided to upgrade the memory in it and it worked for about a week and then just stopped. And before it stopped, it would start doing things like it would take forever to boot up or it would do something weird, but it would finally work. And then after that, it would quit working altogether. So I have a warranty on it where they come out the next day because in addition to a gaming machine, this is also my work machine, which I needed something for that. I do some video editing and other things and wanted a good one. So the technician comes out and he looks at it and he goes, well, we're going to have to replace the motherboard and do this and do that. And okay, fine. We'll get the parts in. Um, then he comes back three days later, messes around with it for about two hours, finally gets it going again, says, well, what it is is on this model, there is a fundamental flaw with the design. And if you run it the way that it was originally built, they will work forever like you would expect from that type of a machine. However, if you change anything, I upgraded the memory, it will have all of these problems and it's just not designed to be changed. So when I bought it three years ago, it had 16 gig of RAM in it, which at the time was good, but I needed more for video editing. So that was the case. However, he did get it going again with the upgraded memory. Now it's 64 gigs. So run ahead two months and they send out a BIOS update, a pretty important one they said to install. I run the BIOS update, just completely kills the machine again. Uh, absolutely does nothing. So after the previous experience, what I, I called for the warranty and everything again, now we can't get the parts because of supply chain issues. So I put it back to its original memory and it started working again. So again, definitely part of the flaw. And then wasn't, finally wasn't the BIOS what what hosed my laptop? Yeah, yeah. It seems like Dell's been having some issues with that. And it's uh uh it's interesting. So um finally Dell now they did take care of me, I have to say, and, and kudos to this. Well, we can't get the parts, it's not gonna be fixable. So what we're going to do is just send you a new unit. So the new unit they sent me is an R13, which is two generations newer. And I got it in yesterday, set it up last night. I'm just getting on it right now. And I do have to say I'm back to like an Alienware again, at least so far. It seems to work the way it is. Now, the one thing, uh, Bill, like you say, that's very interesting on this is they've completely changed the case. It's much wider, probably about three inches wider than the R11. And the cooling system in it is about the size of the radiator in my car. Maybe not really, but it feels like it. Wow. Uh, it's got it's got two pumps, so it's got a primary and a backup, uh, and all of this other stuff. So it's it's built like a tank, I gotta say. <laughs> yeah. My my experience with Alienware is I had one of the last models of laptops they built before they became part of Dell. Right. So while I had a solid heavy machine, and I mean heavy. As in, I went and bought an HP just because I couldn't pack the Alienware around um, wow. all the time. It, you know, it lasted. It it was built solid. It had its cooling system. It was hard to upgrade um, like that. But the main problem there was is they didn't set things up correctly. 
So it had two video cards, uh, you know, those days. Right. It took me, I, I didn't ever realize it, but I always had problems with the video card system with certain games, um, DirectX and stuff like that. And so I had to literally download a script that someone had made that kept it from doing a certain thing within its uh, the software so that I could run those games and then get it to actually use both of the video cards to run them. And, you know, it, it, yeah, it, it stayed alive for 10 years, but I'm not sure, you know, I mean, it was never like the best right. that it could have been. I'm I'm still having weird problems with my Dell laptop. The uh, one of my ports still won't work, and when I do the updates, I'm scared to death it's going to hose my machine. In fact, we've been running updates here in the studio, which is 600 miles from where you are normally, uh-huh. uh, just to you know make sure it works. And yeah, I know that's been an issue too. And I just it seems like they take care of you, but yeah, it, I don't know if maybe there was a generation in there that was bad because your Dell it's not an Alienware, but it is the highest end. Dell laptop. It's a commercial grade and all that kind of stuff. And I know mm-hmm. you've had port problems and, and and all kinds of things like that. And it does seem like that's an issue. Now, I do have to say on my new Alienware laptop that I just got and now on this replacement machine here, it does seem like they are back to, again, what you would expect. The laptop is, I've used it for about six months now and it's been great. Now, the other thing that I found interesting here is when I talked to the People at Dell and they were swapping it out. The biggest marketing point on this new computer was that it had a clear side, the guts of it light up, and you can see inside, which is kind of cool. But I'm suspecting that's not your primary idea. Are, are you okay there? Uh, <laughs> that's a selling feature. It lights I mean, up. Okay, it, good. it lights up, and it is cool. I mean, it's very pretty. But I'm suspecting that that's not the primary thing to look at on a gaming machine. I would think more memory and CPU. If someone was buying one today. Bill, what would you recommend for specs? Oh, I mean, that that's a very broad question. I honestly, if I was buying a, a specific gaming system, I would actually think about going for a Steam Deck. Okay, is a pre-built. Okay, um, it, they're they're proving to be very stable, very hardcore, um, and Steam's using its own proprietary OS. Uh, so you're getting away from Windows and some of the issues that Windows have been having. And I don't know about you, but Windows 11 has been a bit of a nightmare. Granted, I don't know if it was operator error, um, but I had a somebody who bought an exotic PC, uh, Asus, uh, made one. And it has just constantly had the weirdest problems, like the onboard Wi-Fi won't will connect, but it won't actually connect. Hey, Bill, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to cut you here. We're out of time, but we'll come back after the segment and talk some more about Windows 11. We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Send us your questions and your comments. One user-friendly on Facebook and Twitter, userfriendlyshow.com. We love to hear from you. That's how we do our programming, answer your questions, and get content out there. We are talking gaming computers, Windows 11, and some other things. Now, Windows 11, not one of the top swear words on George Carlin's list, but I think here it's getting pretty close. And Mm -hmm. I know I upgraded to this when it first came out and practically needed a psychiatrist. Uh, We're not sure if it was because I upgraded or after I upgraded, but it seemed to definitely have something to do with that. I do have to say it's gotten better. 
and it was not as bad to begin with as like Windows 8 or Vista. Um, yeah. Been. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just uh, yeah. mentioning Vista and 8. Oh, 8, 8, yeah. Nope. I, uh, just, I skipped I mean, 8, but Vista, no, I, no. I didn't have a choice. My computer <laughs> yeah, we, died, and I was forced to have 8. And that was that was where it came from. Now, Bill, you were talking about that there might be an issue with gamers and Windows. Uh, uh, tell us more. Well, a lot of it is, you know, the weird back end stuff. But like I said, um, I knew somebody who got an exotic PC that's an Asus build. Um, one of their tough series, I believe. And after he updated to Windows 11, he had problems like the onboard Wi-Fi wouldn't connect or it would co- say it was connecting and it would show that it would connect and then it would just disconnect. It was constantly doing that. So he bought, had to buy like an external uh, antenna. And even that's oh, wow. kind of half working. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, there was a weird thing where never really quite figured it out. But like you can't shut the system down. It just restarts. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it is the most ridiculous things. And, you know, I've looked for every workaround and everything. And some were like, oh, it's this piece of software from Intel or it's this and I've never been able to really completely track it down. Um, but even it's on board BIOS for like the color controls and stuff like that for the screen and the monitor, we're having issues. And that those were, you know, the fact, you know, from the company, from Asus to make the system work. And it was like, no, we had to uninstall this just so the system would work and not just constantly have this little like pop up in the middle of the screen every 20 seconds. You know, I was going to ask you that question. Was this one of the machines that passed Microsoft's magic you can upgrade test? Yes. So it was an upgradable machine and it still had all these problems. The the weird part about that, and, you know, I'm going to go off of some things that I've watched and listened to and looked into. I'm really actually very um, troubled by the new move with all this requirement. Because of its require or its you know requirement for the trusted protection module or uh, trusted system whatever the the TMP TMP yeah trusted uh, member, yeah. yeah which is the most ridiculous thing on a system and then the BitLocker encryption which is good and bad if you know how to get your own encryption keys out of it so that you can pull your data if something happens to your installation but. It's almost like Microsoft is basically in control of yours. So like if in some cases people were looking at it and going, you know, if you lose your Microsoft account for whatever reason, you basically lose all the information on your computer. Right, right. Yeah, and, if you can't, you can't log in. Hmm. Yeah, and I, know, I'm an I, avid don't use the OneDrive. It's constantly going, oh, I want to put it on the OneDrive. No, I don't want anything on the OneDrive. <laughs> and it's like Windows likes wants to insist, oh, you got to put it on the OneDrive. No, it even tries to trick you to putting things on the OneDrive. I don't know but what's that, wrong with them. That happened um, to our other producer. She went to save something, and then it was like took us an hour to find it because it had put it on the OneDrive <sighs> without anyone noticing. <sighs> wow. Yeah, those type of things. And, and, you know, it's a cloud drive, so it's you're losing security a little bit from your own storage if you don't know that that's what's going on. I know when I reloaded and got this thing going last night, I changed my browser to Chrome and uh, just about had to go through an interrogation to be allowed to do it. Um, <laughs> yep. <and> that was, <laughs> How that, dare you not use Edge? We built yeah. this specifically for you. 
and it's great, and it's this well. Edge does not do Google Google Chrome apps very well. They'll work, but not no. the way they're supposed to. So it's like, yeah, I do need to switch over because we're dealing with that. And you know, Google having control over everything is another whole topic that we could talk about later as well. Oh yeah. But the point being is, you do mm. definitely need both sides of the coin. And it does seem like there's a lot of push for the computer to be more in charge of what you're doing than you being in charge of what it's doing. And I can see where this is not liked by yeah. a lot of enthusiasts and people and that kind of thing, because it would limit what your, what your capabilities are, you know, and it's also creating a lot of e-waste with all this old equipment now that would be capable of running the new operating system, but doesn't pass the test for whatever reason and is having to be upgraded. This is user-friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We're here, Jeremy Gretchen and Bill with me, talking tech. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about gaming computers. We have talked about Windows 11. That always has to come up with tech. But one of the other things that we've had a lot of questions, and we did a segment a while back on 3D printers, and got a lot of commentary on it. One of them was this idea that I think we gave the impression that we don't like 3D printers, and that was not the intention. No, oh, not no. the intention at all. I absolutely love my 3D printer. Yeah, I I'm mean, print, I'm it, printing it, on it right now. Yeah, you know, and, and it is it's it's great tech. I mean, you know, we're talking about some of the issues we've had and different things dealing with proprietary versus non-proprietary and some of the um, challenges in getting it set up. Let's leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do remember you calling me, Jeremy, when we couldn't get that working uh, using a few words that we wouldn't be able to air here. But oh no, yeah. once you got it working, it seemed to be the case now. You know, one of the questions that's come in is how big can you print? Um, a gentleman is wanting to do some kind of a cosplay from Halo, and he okay, wants it, to know it, if it's it, possible to print the Halo helmet. It depends on the size of your printer. And, I mean, if you have a small printer, you can break the, the any piece into smaller segments and then glue them together. But if the bigger the print bed you have, and I've seen one that's actually a treadmill, so that you can print very long items like swords... Oh, wow. So, well, you I, know. And I ordered off of Etsy um, a, a Sabine jetpack. And that was the guy um, had a video that showed all of his printers and things working. And I could watch, you know, check up on my jetpack that was being printed. And it wasn't like it was in little pieces. He did it all in one piece. So I think like anything else, there's differences in capabilities. And that's been the same thing with regular paper printers. I mean, you have your... Yeah. Black and white inkjet that's good for certain things, or back in the olden days, what did they call that dot matrix? Oh yeah, um, those are great. I remember that. I remember those trying to do color. That was interesting. But we move you know. ahead now, and you still have color, non-color. So, Bill, what do you think? Is it same thing with three D printers? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of capability and a lot of different stuff with them. Um, see, Jeremy had a lot of problems with his printer that I didn't have with mine, and mine was a kit build. I ordered it, put it together. Um, it's based on the very common model. The reality of it is, if I go and buy the extruded pieces and stuff, I could, other than possibly the bed, which I can make differently um, and order another one, I can pretty much build my printer to whatever size I want. It's just, at the end of the day, it's a CNC machine. Right, right. Uh, you're yeah, just dealing... Cool. Yeah. 
it's the same as like a plotter or a um, that was the sign cutter ones that do with vinyl. Mm-hmm. Um, the only difference is, of course, you have the up and down more. Yeah. Um, so you know, you, you and a lot of it just comes down to like mine required a lot of fine tuning and building parts to make it better, like adding a cooling fan that went directly um, on the head so that as it printed, it was cooling the, the, the print. Um, learning to use like uh, glue st- a cheap glue stick and smearing the, the print bed mm-hmm. so that it would adhere to it using tape, um, blue painter's tape. Um, definitely making sure your slices are coming out right. Yeah. And fine tuning it. Um, Cause that was like the, the biggest one was cooling for mine. And then of course it really like a lot of people, uh, you know, see this kind of printer, or that kind of printer. There are a lot of different kinds of printers and even the resin ones are becoming more uh, available. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think anybody's going to go out and spend, you know, 500,000 on a metal one. Though those things are amazing to watch. Yes. Yeah, I was just, I was going to say, work. One of the clients I work for, they do uh, manufacturing, and there's two items in the lab now: a CNC machine and a 3D printer. And theirs does do metal. It's it's and it's also really big. It, it looks almost like a pod, kind yeah, of. You know, I, I think, yeah. you know, <laughs> it, 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 they're like the size of an SUV. Yeah, um, yeah. You're, you're talking about a big industrial piece of equipment. Um, but you know, like the home build ones, like. People have built uh, businesses out of them. I've gotten bases for uh, like fursuit heads. I bought one. It's all printed in one piece. Their machines can do it. Uh, A couple of big things that most people see in 3D printing, but they never really get into or they get into trouble with is printing an ABS and printing um, the silicone kind of stuff. The squishy stuff? Yeah, the stretchy, yeah. the Ninja Flex. I think right, so that's, just for that's, that that's really know. hard for me to get to work too. So have uh, you ever got you? You actually have some. I have some. I haven't gotten it to work yet. Oh, you have yeah. to have. Um, you and I have what's called a Bowden uh, yeah. system, where the filament goes through the uh, a motor that uh, pulls and pushes it, then it shoves it down a tube um, to the tip where it melts. That causes problems with that because it's stretchy. So it's like trying to shove uh, elastic band through, uh, you know, pants. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> basically like, oh. what's going on. Yeah. The other, but it, like, and so you have to have your um, extruder like right there as one piece, so that it's literally mm-hmm. just pushing like an inch or like maybe into the nozzle to really make that stuff work. And then the other is um, with the ABS and a couple of other filaments, you run into this problem where a it's very toxic you have to have it vented you have to have it inside of a box that maintains the temperature like a greenhouse because if the print bed is too cold it'll warp instantly yep um wow and if it doesn't stay warm through the whole thing it'll start to detach or warp and do all those problems plus it's just noxious i mean it is you Mm -hmm. have to vent so why do people use ABS? Because it's strong. ABS is strong. You know, oh, the black, you okay. know, the black plastic pipes that are like mm-hmm. super tough. You know, uh, yeah. sewer pipes. That's okay. ABS versus PVC, which is closer to PLA. Okay, which is what most people should run because you don't yeah. have to heat the bed. You can keep it very cold. Um, in comparison, I mean, the tip's still like two hundred Celsius, which is yeah. or still you know burn the skin right off. But um. Yeah. <laughs> 
it, it's a considerable difference. And especially when you get into doing things like uh, nylon, I was looking into that because you can make gears and stuff for drones, RC cars and stuff. Nylon shrinks by a certain percentage. So you have to be careful of that. So, well, listen, guys, we're just about <laughs> out of time here, but it sounds interesting. So send us your 3D printer stories. I mean, you know, the feedback I've gotten has been pretty positive on it, but a lot of different things. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0, one user-friendly on Facebook and Twitter, userfriendlyshow.com. We have been talking tech this whole show number of different topics. And one question I want to quickly throw out here in our close. If someone wants a 3D printer, how much do they cost? Looking it up right now, you can get a kit build, uh, Voxel Lab Aquila X2 FDM printer bundle um, for about $200. Okay, so that isn't that bad at all. Jeremy, and you're, you spent about that, I think, too. Yeah, I, 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 my printer is a, an Ender 3, and it runs around 300 bucks. And I think you bought it for me on sale uh, for Christmas. Right. Uh, it wasn't You didn't buy it for me for Christmas, but you got it cheaper at Christmas for me. Um, but yeah, you can. It, it depends on the size of the things you want to print, because you have to get bigger beds and taller towers. Or you can buy the machines that are all in one in a box that prints with all other different kinds of material. So... I mean, you can spend a lot. I, I was looking at looking it up. Here's one for ten thousand dollars. I mean, yeah, well, I would, I'm, I'm sure that would depend on uh, you know, but hopefully that yeah. one is the leather seats. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I would hope. But you know, so. it, it's it's all about what you want to accomplish with your printer. If you want right. to get really fine resolution, you're going to spend a little bit more. Right. Okay. Well, hey, you know, I think that that makes total sense. All right. So we've got a number of upcoming events. Cruise in Sherwood is coming up on June 18th. If you're in Oregon. And like classic cars, this is the show for you. It's returning after two years. I'm part of the production team, and we are having a lot of fun with that one. Free for the family, vendors, cars, all of that. Come on out and take a look. Coming up next month is Comic-Con International. Now, we're not going down to that in person, but we will have someone there covering it. That's going July 21st through 24th. And then in August, that's when our big month comes back. Black Hat is coming August 6th to 11th in Las Vegas. Emerald City Comic Con is returning to their normal time in the year, August 18th through the 21st. And the Silicon Valley, or Silicon in San Jose, August 27th to 28th. And that one I am looking forward to seeing again. We haven't been there since they switched. And uh, it seems like it's going to be very interesting to see how that one may have changed. Mm. Yeah. But uh, one of the things I noticed that they're doing is these maker events where you can do stuff throughout the year with Adam Savage, which is kind of cool. He's producing the show now. I've been having fun with those. Oh, yeah, I can, I, you know, you just get on and you do them and it looks like it's a lot of fun. And then you bring it to the event and you get judged on different things, I think. At least I think they did that last yes, year. Yes, they did. So that'll be a lot of fun. And then in September, we have Rose City. So uh, I hey. guess the uh, cosplays are coming back out. And as long as we're allowed to do it, uh, we will, you know, if they bring back the mask requirements, which could happen, then that might change things. We'll have to just play that by ear and keep it safe. But we all got all of that coming up. All right, again, one user friendly on Facebook. Send in your questions and your comments. 503 766 6264 is the phone number. 
any of those ways get to us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, or userfriendlyshow.com, which is also where you can find our flash briefing and past episodes. Until next week, this is Userfriendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. Userfriendly 2.0, copyright 2014-2022. Userfriendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. The views and opinions on this show are those of the host, and not necessarily those of the user-friendly media group, Inc., or this station. Music licensed by BMI. Hosting provided by weirdtechnology.com. Podcast available at userfriendlynation.com, theanswerportland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.